The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So, so this week, talking about the faculty of wisdom, we began with um, the what I might call initiating wisdom that gets us started on practice, which has to do with our encounter with human suffering, suffering in the world, suffering in ourselves. And this world, su- the word suffering is a big word, and it's kind of a Buddhist English word. We've kind of been, been ado- ad- adapted or adopted into English Buddhism to translate a word called dukkha, um, which, you know, it's kind of that uh, general word for the stress, distress, challenges, difficulties that we have in life. And uh, Buddhism has a very honest, realistic view that there's a lot of suffering and we're not cowering away from it, we're not avoiding it, we're not making it pretty or justifying it in any kind of way. But there is a wisdom that comes out of our encounter with suffering to want to come to the end of suffering, to find the freedom from suffering. And that can initiate then practice. And the practice of wisdom, from the point of view of wisdom, then the next step is to cultivate the capacity, uh, have uh, clarity, to be able to distinguish uh, uh, what's happening, to really see clearly what's happening here in the moment rather than lumping it all together in one big generalized idea or abstractions of things, but really in stillness, quiet of mindfulness, to see with clarity the details of what's happening. Not because we're thinking a lot, but actually the opposite. The mind gets quieter and stiller, it can see more of the distinctions. As we make distinctions, we can live more wisely. We can choose what to do. We can see what's healthy and unhealthy, what's beneficial for ourselves and not beneficial. And so then we begin to kind of make choices about what we do, what we think, what we pursue inside, outside. We try to kind of live both in the world and also within ourselves, choosing to do wisely what is health-producing, beneficial, supportive for us, helpful along the path of liberation and this freedom from suffering. As, this be, as we get more familiar uh, through seeing the distinction between what's healthy and unhealthy, wholesome and unwholesome, is uh, there can become, the wisdom become decisive wisdom, where there's a clarity. This is important. This is what I'm going to do. No to this, yes to this. Um, practice is important. I'm going to put it central in my, my life. This is what I say yes to because I really want to, I see the possibility of freedom. I don't want to live this caught up anymore and pursuing a lot of, you know, things which are not really that helpful for myself or the world. Or it could be, you know, that I've been thinking the same thought for years. I've known people who've been resentful for years and years towards someone. And then to realize that after a while they say, wait a minute. Uh, the person's probably forgotten me, and the only person who's getting hurt through this resentment is myself. Maybe it's time to stop. 
not always easy to be decisive and stop mental patternings and ideas, but there can be at least a decisiveness that, yes, I don't believe in this anymore. So sometimes there's a very, there's a clarity and decisiveness in, of wisdom. And then there's uh, the wisdom of insight. I call it revelatory. As we make the right decisions, as we really take a stand to be present, to be here in a strong, relaxed, open way, to no longer be committed to uh, clinging and grasping and um, you know, resentment and greed and hatred, the mind begins to relax deeper and softer. The mind becomes freer. And this movement, this whole movement, including the decisiveness, is a movement towards opening and relaxing and settling even more. And as we do this, the mind becomes more attentive to the, the moment-to-moment flow of experience how things appear and disappear, the flow, the stream that's happening always in the present moment. It's the thoughts, ideas, concepts we have that kind of creates a a still still shot, a photo of experience. And we live by the photo, hold on to that, but reality keeps flowing, it keeps flowing. Uh, To really settle deeply into uh, vipassana is to to have... um, it's kind of like to live in the video of life rather than all these still shots. And, um, and to see in the flow and the rising and passing of phenomena, uh, the futility, the unsatisfactoriness of clinging and wanting. As this clinging and wanting mind, grasping mind, a mind that's attached to things, softens and relaxes even more and more, at some point, uh, there is liberating wisdom, the fifth kind of wisdom, and that's the wisdom that re- that doesn't that really supports or enables or is a catalyst for a deep letting go, a deep release of the holding of the clinging at some of the deepest levels in our psyche. That the attachment, the clinging to life, to being alive, of course we want to be alive, but the clinging to it. Uh, and the fear that that in, in, instills, the clinging to a security that's in safety even, such basic human phenomena that of course we want to be safe, but the clinging to it and holding on to it, um, to let that, to, to have that go, at least temporarily, to the clinging to self, to us ideas, who I am, who I need to be, who I should be, who I shouldn't be. There's a whole constellation of attachments around this notion of self that uh, is one of the primary sources of suffering in human beings. And so to really feel that, let go, to release itself, and to have an exper- deep, qualitative, deep experience of being alive, being well, being good, being feeling really, you know, kind of some of the deepest, one, most wonderful ways of being alive and breathing with the absence of these clinging. If this, uh, and so the liberating wisdom are those things that allow that deep letting go to happen. Sometimes it's really seeing the, in some radical way, the impermanent, inconstant nature of this world we live in. Sometimes it's seeing in some deep, deep way that uh, all the ideas and concepts we live by are just that, and to somehow no longer chase after the concepts. To see in a deep way the, the, um, the unsatisfactoriness, the stressfulness, the, 
the the um, the dukkha, the suffering that's somehow kind of integrated or enmeshed in the very way in which we see and hear and think, and to uh, and get a sense of of release or letting go of that, which is letting go of the wanting, a radical, full experience of the absence of wanting. And that's the catalyst of feeling and settling back into a place of no wanting, it's dramatic. And then the the third uh, kind of catalyst is the deep experience of having a real clear insight, seeing that nothing that's here, nothing that I can experience, really works, really is satisfactory, really kind of can represent the self. All the details, everything I can touch, smell, taste, see, think about, and some radical experience of emptiness, radical experience of, not emptiness of kind of lack and lack, but at letting go, a deep, deep kind of softening and letting go and into a kind of open, empty space of... And then to have that liberating wisdom, if the letting go has been deep enough, if we really kind of relaxed and let go deeply, then um, it becomes so, uh, a kind of a, a felt memory. It becomes a almost like a lived experience, like living over your left shoulder or something, or living kind of, kind of in the, like a space has been created in the mind, and the attachments might come back, but that space is still there. That sense or feeling or experience of freedom, of non-wanting, non-clinging, is there as a reference point. And liberating wisdom, once there's some degree of liberation, is to have that reference point of freedom that's always there available, maybe not always touched into, but always available to support us. And there's this juxtaposition of freedom and how we're caught. Non-clinging and how there's clinging. Anger and that place which there's no anger at all. And to have that juxtaposition gives the person the opportunity to have a very different perspective on clinging, on anger, on wanting, on attachment. It's, it's possible to see very clearly that attachment clinging is not really what we want, not really desirable, not really where freedom is. At the same time as seeing it through the eyes of compassion and care, the eyes that doesn't see it as a problem, doesn't see that having a building up a sense of self, being attached to self is a problem. It's just something to have compassion for or kindness towards or open for, something not to believe, maybe even occasionally something to be amused by. Look at that, look what this mind is doing. And so liberating wisdom uh, is that which brings a degree of liberation that then lives in us ongoingly and is a reference point of understanding. It's a reference point that is represented by this distinction between what's present and what's absent. That there's part of our being which feels, understands the absence 
of clinging, the absence of suffering. And that makes all the difference as we continue the practice and keep, keep opening up and freeing ourselves in this wonderful, beautiful uh, path of liberation of freedom. So may we all be free. May we all find our way to full awakening. So please take good care of yourself and please, uh, you know, value yourself to a great degree. And then uh, this is the end of the five faculties. And um, I'll continue doing these seven o'clock in the morning sittings, Monday through Friday. And, um, and I thought that for next week, I have an idea of a whole series of things to do over the next month or so. And I thought of uh, next week to do a series on Buddha's teachings on beauty, the beautiful, and how that also relates to the path of freedom. And um, so I hope to see you next week. Thank you.